Thanks for tuning in to the Water Boys podcast. Have you ever heard about Anchor? Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. They have all the tools that you need to record, edit, and distribute your podcast. Go to their website or download the app today to get started. What's going on? Welcome back to the Waterboys Podcast. We are so happy you have tuned in with us for another episode. Steve, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm ready to go. Let's get another episode in a way. I think we've uh, got a great lineup today. So yes, we've got a great lineup uh, for you guys, and uh, it's going to be a good episode. But Steve, listen, it is springtime, which means it's golf season, which means it's time to gear up from head covers, apparel and accessories, pins and aces have you covered with quality gear to style up your game. With free shipping in the U.S., you can't go wrong. Go to pinsandaces.com and use our code for 10% off your order. The code's a little complicated. It's golf-zf0u3. It'll be in the description below, so don't worry about memorizing that. But, Steve, it's golf season, which means we're going to talk about the PGA Championship coming up this weekend. Yeah, let's do it. Um, the PGA Championship is here. Phil is out. Tiger is in. And you will go broke buying drinks and snacks. Uh, obviously, the, uh, a big headline, not a big headline, but, well, I guess it's a headline. Uh, Steve, is the $18 beer is the cheapest uh, beer you can buy in uh, a $16 salad. Uh, Steve, what do, you, what do you think about that? Uh, if you're going, are you buying a drink? Absolutely not. I mean, I can't justify that anywhere, and I think that's completely outrageous. Yeah, so why? Where I don't even understand, like, they must be trying to jack a giant profit off of these beers. I do not understand that at all. Justin Thomas was even blown away. Right. Um, I don't think he's even paying for that. I mean, he's, I mean, I'm sure he's got plenty of money to throw <laughs> around, and uh, he's not even buying an $18 beer. So, uh, very interesting stuff there. Obviously, big headlines. Tiger is uh, in the lineup, Steve. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be very interesting. Um, with Tiger back in, what do you think about Tiger? What do you What are your first initial thoughts? First initial thoughts: Really happy to see him competing in another event. Mm-hmm. I think the last time we saw him was at the Masters, correct? It or was. Yeah, he, he hasn't played okay. in another event That's what since. I thought. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was cool to see him out there. I know he kind of um, looked like he got a little fatigued as the week went on. Yeah. And unfortunately, just wasn't um, playing his best golf mm-hmm. uh, through the end of it. But he played. He did play. And that was big, and it wasn't expected. So to see him out here again, hopefully he's rested up a little bit. Hopefully the leg is stronger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I really hope that he puts it together a good round. Um, but my expectations for him are not too high. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I really want him to prove me wrong. But physically, I just don't think the Tiger is ready to compete at the level he once did um, for, you know, so many years. And so, yeah, yeah I mean... I hope he proves me wrong, but, yeah, I, I just don't have high expectations for him coming into this weekend. Yeah, I don't think you really can expect him to perform that well. I mean, the dude, I mean, he's he's getting, even though even without a car crash and, and you know, having the, the broken, the terrible leg and stuff like that, like, I don't, I still don't think you can expect him to perform how he was, especially with what's happened. Um, so, obviously, he did, did a, yeah, he showed up for the Masters. He was there, which was a big step, and he's there for this one, which is another big step. So we're just excited to see him play. So, Steve, 
Where, who are you excited to see play? Man, well, this is a really good event. Yes. Got all the best in the world coming best out. Best of the best, Steve. Best of the best. Um, so I have two pairings that I'm looking forward to okay. watching. Okay. So my first one is going to be at the 2.36 p.m. time slot. 2.36. 2.36. Very specific. And I've never I was... understood. Hold on. Sorry for, to interrupt you. I've never understood golf tee times. It's yeah. so, I guess they're exact. You know, they they try to, like, measure out how long it's supposed to take to play the hole. Yeah, it like, looks like everything is separated by 11 minutes. So it's supposed so. to take 11 minutes to play a hole. Fun fact. Pace of play, yeah, folks. That's pretty quick for walking, yeah, actually. That, that is very I quick. I guess when you're actually. hitting your shot straight, <laughs> it makes it a little easier. <laughs> you got searching in the woods. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my first pairing that I'm watching uh, coming off the first tee is the 236 pairing. And okay. I will say, the 2 o'clock hour is stacked. Okay. If you go down and look at the list, like, all those pairings are really good and really good to watch. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, mine's the 236. It includes John Rum, Colin Morikawa, and Scotty Scheffler. Nice. So I think all three of those can you're, go out and win it. You're a John Rom fan, aren't you? A little bit, yeah. yeah you're a John I'll, I'll, I'll go into some other uh, golfers that I've been a fan of recently, too. Okay. I do like Colin Morikawa and then Scotty Scheffler, world number one. Yeah. Um, can't deny the fact that he's probably a favorite. But, yeah, he's hot. Um, I think all three of these guys could have top ten finishes, um, if not finish number one. So good, uh, good start to the week or weekend mm-hmm. um, could be in this pairing. And so I'll be watching them. What about you? First tee. My first tee is going to be the one fourteen p.m. starting time. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantley, and Justin Thomas. Obviously, DJ, um, in my mind, always a favorite to win. He can always win. Uh, Patrick Cantley and then Justin Thomas, also another big name. Patrick Cantley's, I feel like he's kind of middle of the road for me. Yeah. Um, but two big names uh, there. Justin Thomas, I feel like, also can always compete in uh, any tournament so uh good to look there on the one t steve what about the 10th t the 10th t this one is uh has a few of my new favorite golfers in it but it's okay. all the young guys okay the 9 a.m t victor hovland willis alatoris and cameron smith oh okay i think that's gonna be a lot of fun i think I... all three of those guys will have a great time playing alongside of each other yeah and uh also they're just the future of golf I mean, yeah. you got some of the brightest stars in the game right now. Um, I've liked to grow these guys over, or I've I've grown to like these guys yeah, over the past year for sure. And uh, I think there will be a lot of tour wins uh, combined in their futures. So, um, yeah. So that's uh, my second group that I'm gonna keep my eye on. Bright and early, nine a.m. tenth tee. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fun group there. For sure. I'm going to go with the 8-11 tee time, the one that everyone will probably be watching, which is Jordan Spieth, Roy McIlroy, and Mr. Tiger Woods himself. Um, a big tee time there, obviously. Huge. huge names. Roy made a run at the end of the Masters. Tiger, obviously, everyone's watching him. And uh, Jordan Spieth, uh, also another huge name. So, right. A lot of big names in this tournament, obviously, PGA Championship. Um, it's going to be an, an exciting weekend. Yeah. And Rory, probably your favorite, right? Yeah, he, he and Ricky, uh, which I know you have some comments about Ricky. I do, yeah. Um, uh, Ricky was probably my first favorite, but Roy is definitely a, a big favorite of mine as well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Ricky. Yes. Um, Rip him a new one. Uh, no, I, I actually don't. I don't want to. Um, 
So I had a few comments on him. I recently read an article about him. Okay. And it was kind of a inter- half interview, half like in-depth article about, you know, his career and uh, what's going on with him recently. So right now, Ricky Fowler sits at world ranking 146. Ouch. Ouch. That hurts. Pretty bad for uh, the next big name in golf. Uh, as he was being called in 2014. Um, yeah. So we saw him get as high as fifth in the world, I believe. Fifth mm-hmm. world ranking. Sounds good. Um, and yeah, the endorsement started coming. Uh, he was supposed to be, you know, one of the biggest names, biggest mm-hmm. uh, guys to ever play the game. But yeah. it just didn't pan out that way. Some, you could call him a bust um, for the expectations that came with uh, who he was. Um, mm-hmm. But there, I think there's a little more than just what we see on the surface. So uh, from when he first started, mm-hmm. he had a different swing. Mm-hmm. And then over the years, he started changing his swing so that it could uh, play more favorably with his competition so that he could uh, have more consistency, more distance, um, whereas his other swing was more speed-oriented mm-hmm. but not necessarily accuracy. Uh, so he changed up his swing, and then that's when his downfall, start, downfall started to come. So his uh, old swing coach currently does not um, coach anymore is what I read. Okay. So he's got a new swing coach, and he's taking a more relaxed approach and a more um, type of swing that he did back when he was winning more. Yeah. So he's kind of retracing his steps now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do you think that's a good idea? Do you think it's kind of like a all-in move? for the rest of his career to try to change his swing up to go back to what it used to be when he was having success do you think it's a good mm-hmm. move strategic or do you think it's kind of just like a panic move uh i think it's a great move honestly because like everybody's swing is different you can't fit one person's swing to a mold um you can tweak things and obviously there's like some things that all swings should have but um, everybody's swing is different. His swing is very flat. He twists his wrists a lot um, at the top. Um, and uh, he, he he never really had, the, like you said, he never really had the success that he wanted. And, and then he, he did make a lot of changes. Um, and then that can, that can, like your swing is just you. It's right. it's like it's it's like your golf personality. You find it and tweak it along the way. Yes, you don't completely change it because your body just doesn't work like that sometimes. And so I think it's a great move. He's done, he's tried to make all kinds of different changes. He started wearing those sunglasses. Uh, very odd. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't fit his style. Cause you know, back in the day he was the long haired, right. flat build, flashy he, colors. Yeah. yeah. He, he was, and that's where the endorsements came from. Yeah. He was willing to rock the all orange Puma. Or whatever. Yeah. That's where yeah. all the hype came from too. Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, he didn't really, meet those expectations because a lot of pressure was put on him because he was this young guy who came in um with a lot of talent he's not a bad golfer by any means obviously um and he just he just didn't quite get there um with with uh what was expected of him but yeah right yeah so changing up his swing um trying to take a more relaxed approach um is some of the changes he's been making but then also he said he's been focusing a lot more on his mental health Mm -hmm. and uh i think possibly the pressure did get to him yeah um and he felt you know the weight of the golf world on his shoulders and felt like he had to meet the expectations every single weekend which just isn't possible yeah. i mean you see guys that don't make the cut that may have won the tournament the week weekend prior yeah, so sure. like it it's very fluid and i think he thought he had to go out and win every single week mm-hmm. and so well i mean while golfers still try to do that um 
I think he's just trying to be more relaxed now, enjoy the game again. Um, and it even mentioned that even uh, even days where you know he has no shot at finishing in a you know high position, he'll wait around on the last green for one of his buddies to finish, mm-hmm. or like if one of his friends yeah. is you know gonna have a top five finish, he's gonna wait and congratulate them. Mm-hmm. And so that's just the kind of guy he is. Um, yeah. He's just enjoying the game more, which I think is a great step in doing so. Um, and he's been a lot more vocal about his struggles uh, in the past with you know, what he's been feeling, um, even some depression. And so, you know, I think he's headed in the right direction, yeah. uh, both mentally and with the game. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for him. I would be interested to see if we start seeing a gradual turnaround in the next year or so, mm-hmm. um, now that he's kind of a little more relaxed and stuff. But do you I think Ricky so. will ever get close to a higher world ranking? We'll say we'll set the bar high and go top 50. I really hope so. I really do. I think, I mean, everyone can take a more relaxed approach to golf. Everybody goes out there and thinks they're going to be prime Tiger Woods, which is, is not the case. Most right. people just stink. It's a hard sport. Um, you got to be consistent. You got to hit good shots every single shot if you want to go low, and that's just not realistic for people. Um, I think everyone needs to take a relaxed approach, and I think Ricky um, is doing a good thing, focusing on himself, um, you know, the spotlight can can take a lot out of you, and, and it requires a lot of you too. So, I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I I really hope to, that he you know finds his stride again, and picks it back up for sure. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So one of your former favorites, uh, you actually met. I did Ricky. meet him. I got a you picture with him. Conversation. Um, no a few drinks, right? Uh, I wish. Um, it was more of. Uh, Hey, can I get a pick? Um, <laughs> I was actually in a long line of like little kids, <laughs> but uh, I was fangirling pretty hard. But um, yeah, I got a pick of him. It was nice. I said, "Hey," he said, "What's up?" Um, That's and huge. Uh, yeah, it's huge. That's huge. It was huge. We'll hit him up. We'll have to have him on we'll the pod. Ha- yeah, may- hey, maybe, maybe <laughs> Ricky, if you're listening, uh, which you probably are not. Um, hey, come on the podcast. We'd love to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's good stuff. Good, good stuff. stuff. Excited for the PGA Championship this week and excited that it's golf season in general. Don't forget to check out Pins and Aces. Our code is in the description below for 10% off your order. They got a lot of good stuff. Steve, it is also Major League Baseball season. Oh, it is. Your favorite. My favorite. Absolute yes. favorite. Absolute favorite. And today we are going to talk about another favorite of mine. Yes. Um, this isn't, again, this isn't bias. Uh, it's just what's in the headlines. Yep, I'm 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 paid to read the news, people. He's paid to read the news. He's <laughs> just quite. a reporter. Don't shoot the messenger. Correct. But we are talking about the New York Yankees today, mm. um, and a little bit of a Yankee Stadium backlash is what mm. we're calling this. So yes, uh, last week um, on Mother's Day, happy Shout belated out to the Mother's moms. Day. Shout out moms. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas Rangers had. Uh, the Yankees right where they wanted them. It was one to one going into the bottom of the ninth inning when Gleyber Torres hit a home run to the short porch in right field at Yankee Stadium. After the game, the Texas Rangers skipper Chris Woodward Skipper called the Yankee Stadium a little league ballpark. Mm. He said that it was a small ballpark. And that's an easy out. And 99% of ballparks mm-hmm. just happen to hit it in a little league ballpark to right field. Which, you know, you can have your thoughts on the ballpark. It's 314 to right field. Pretty pretty small for a major league ballpark. Yeah. Uh, the Yankees came back with 
Um, Aaron Boone saying his math is wrong. 99% is impossible. There's only 30 parks, which I thought was a hilarious answer. Yeah. Um, and a little math in there. Um, but Glaber Torres' shot was uh, about 364 feet, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, 369 feet. Um, and it actually would have been a home run in 26 out of 30 major league ballparks. So then New York Yankees took a swipe at Woodward when Giancarlo San hit a 461-foot home run to left field in the second game of that day. Bomb. A bomb. Completely. And he said, and the Yankees Twitter said, we are going to guess this is a home run in 30 of 30 major league ballparks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just kind of a little bit going back and forth there. Um, but it raises the question of, you know, is Yankee Stadium fair to play in? Uh, when you got the Yankees hitting as many home runs as they do, uh, you can take it into account that right field is very short. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of high school field, fields that are even 325, which is further than Yankee Stadium. So, just to put that in comparison. Yeah. Um, but anyway, my question to you, do mm-hmm. you think that this dimensions of the field is fair and should it be changed in the future? Fair is a relative term. Uh, I think, no, I think it's great. I Everyone loves to see home runs and whether it's short or not uh, is is not is not a big deal. I think it adds kind of an interesting like, hey, if you can if you can get your ball over there, hey, why not hit a home run? Um, I, I did a little research. It, it seems like two or three other parts have that short of fences um, in left and right field. So it's not just them. So I don't know why they're calling out them. Maybe because they were just the um, – they just had to deal with it. I mean, why couldn't they hit a home run over there too? So they can also benefit from it. I think a lot of parks should add I, – I liked like Fenway Park's big tall wall. They Fenway Park is one that also has a very mm-hmm. short wall – um, in right field, um, they have the tall wall in left field. So, right. Um, I, I like like the different dimension shapes. I think that adds kind of like a fun, like, uh, aspect of the game. Cause to me, I'll be straight up with you. Baseball is kind of boring. So like if you can add some kind of fun mm-hmm. park dimension, um, I don't, I don't know whose park is it, but they have like the railroad track on the top and they also yeah, have yeah. a very short Asterisk. wall. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh sorry about that <laughs> uh, but they also have a very short wall um in left field mm-hmm. um and it's just high though yeah, yeah yeah it's high um so i i love stuff like that i don't think it's an issue i think they just complained about it because they got a home run hit off of them right. so um they can turn around and do the same thing if they wanted to so just be better and stop complaining i like it um and i think all parks some parks are kind of boring i think mm-hmm. all parks should add some kind of fun dynamic it reminds me of when we used to play wiffle ball in um in pe and like all the different we would go to different gyms during our basketball games be like oh this would be a really good wiffle ball gym (laughs) Uh, i think that adds kind of like a fun aspect to the game you know fans like you know to enjoy it a little bit more yeah absolutely and i'm glad you said that everyone's hitting in that ballpark because they are other teams can use the short porch too and um it was kind of nice to see the Yankees go to Chicago after this series. And I think over half of their home runs they hit in that series were to right field. And yeah. Chicago doesn't have a short right field. They have normal size field. So just kind of funny to see their opposite power on display, which is something that is playing to their strength. So just to throw a couple little stats out there, um, Aaron Judge, after last night, has 14 home runs. And obviously not all of them have come in Yankee Stadium, but... His spray chart for the uh, for the year has two to center field, two to or six to right field, and six to left field. 
So he's mm. using the whole field. Yeah. And he's a right-handed hitter. Historically, right-handed hitters hit the left field. Um, but he is hitting the ball for power to all areas of the field, especially right field. So he's going to have some home runs in Yankee Stadium to right field, which is playing to his strength. And another guy who does the same thing is John Carlos Stanton. He has five home runs to right field. And then the rest of his home runs, he has five to the rest of the field. So 10 in total. And most of them are coming to right field. And then Glaber Torres, the guy who hit the home run, has five home runs on the year. Four of them are hit to right field. And then the Yankees have also stacked their lineup with lefties such as uh, Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo, um, guys that can hit for power anywhere but can definitely use that short right field um, to their advantage. So, um, yeah, the Yankees hit opposite field for power, and I think that's something that they have probably um, used and built on uh, with analytics and statistics and stat cast coming into play now because you can look at what you do well and build on that. So they probably see that they hit the ball to the opposite opposite field well and practice that. And I have no problem with that because they play in their stadium. Uh, they know their stadium and they know what they need to do to win. Yeah. And then I think when playoffs come around, when home field advantage comes into play, they're going to have an advantage there because they'll know how to hit in their stadium to make sure that they get those extra runs and those extra yeah. home runs. Um, if I were the Red Sox, you mentioned the green monster. I do the mm-hmm. same thing with my right-handed hitters. I teach them to elevate the ball and just work on that more because you don't have to hit it tremendously far. You just need to hit it high enough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, play to the stadium's dimensions and yeah. uh, play to your strengths. and Do your research, that, MLB players. Yeah, prove do. that it's not luck and that you're actually working on it. And uh, then yeah. it'll transfer to away ballparks as well. With all this technology, y'all should y'all should be on top of this already. Absolutely, MLB's lagging behind. Absolutely, I will say there are. Um, I looked into it just to see if three fourteen was normal or not to build a ballpark. So mm-hmm. the rule book that uh, the rule book of parks that was instigated in 1958 a while ago okay um i guess it still holds up though because it was on major league baseball's website yeah um yeah so the rule book of parks states that new stadiums must have a minimum distance of 325 feet between home plate and the nearest fence Mm. so left or right field Mm -hmm. and then 400 feet between home plate and the nearest fence in center field um but it does say that some clubs have been permitted to construct parks after that date with dimensions shorter than those specified. So it, de- it is determined by um, the amount of land this the city gets you, um, how basically just how much room you're going to have to build a stadium in the middle of a city. Mm-hmm. So my guess is the Yankees got some sort of permission um, by Major League Baseball to let them get an extra 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Um which whether they needed it or not, maybe not, but um, the old Yankee Stadium was like 318. So they wanted to keep that historical value of having a similar stadium. Um, Two other stadiums that have gotten, I guess you could say, um, a waiver from getting that 325 have been Ganman Yards, which was built in the 90s. Bulls. 318 to right field. Um, And then there's another... Uh, stadium, I forget which one it is, but it goes like 396 to center field. So, yeah, um, yeah there's stadiums that have gotten um, waivers for being able to build smaller dimensions, um, but the Yankees just stand out more because it's the shortest, and people are going to have to deal with it, and deal I have no it. problem with it. 
Grow up. Yep. Stop complaining about it and use it to your advantage, too. Exactly. Losers. That's what Glaber said. Everybody's using the same field. Yes. Um, Steve, let's move on to another hot topic in the headlines. Name, image, and likeness. Mm. Back in July of 2021, the NCAA approved players using their name, image, and likeness to sign endorsement uh, endorsements and deals with brands to profit from their name, image, and likeness. And just yesterday, Ohio school boards denied that high school students would be able to use their name, image, and likeness. So they have taken it to the next level. Well, sort of. If They've taken it down a level to high school students now. Right. This is absolutely... I didn't even know this was would even ever be considered. Uh, who watches high school sports enough to be have a player endorsed? Mm-hmm. Um, and what do those players... Like, why do they... Like, just get a regular job. You're in high school. Learn how to... <laughs> learn how to... Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. 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 But, um, Steve, obviously, uh, a big headline um, as two sisters signed a Nike deal... Um, uh, two high school sisters. One is a sophomore, one's a junior. Once they signed a deal with Nike as the first um, high school students um, to be uh, endorsed for the name, image, and likeness. Just get your thoughts off the bat about this. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's a, how old are sophomore juniors? Like 15, uh, 16 years old? Yeah. You don't probably. need, you don't need endorsements that big yet. Yeah. Um, Like you said, Go out and get your own job. Learn how the real world works. Exactly. Um, you know, great for you for having talent, but wait a few years so you can get to college mm-hmm. and use it correctly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for this to stretch to high school, my number one concern with it is that you got these kids that are going to be trying to grow up too fast. Yep. And if they're 15 and 16 years old going after these deals, going after the money, they're going to forget about the value of just playing the game, enjoying the game, enjoying their careers, mm-hmm. and it's going to become more of a business to them. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's a that's off the bat number one concern. Yeah. Um, I just don't want to see high school sports get polluted by this sort of thing. I think already it's been an issue for college. Yeah. But I think I these are, I mean, you're working with adults in college, so I think yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. It's just... You need to make sure that everything is being followed correctly, and I have a little bit more on that later. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. High school students, I mean, they're 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 kids, literally. Mm-hmm. They're, so most of them, like these two girls who signed, are not even adults yet. They're not they're not eighteen. Can they drive? Uh, <laughs> maybe. I I think a junior. I think you like can drive your junior year. They may not even be able. Their moms are still driving them to practice, and they got a Nike deal. How ridiculous is that? <laughs> um, high school students are still developing like themselves they're still finding out how the world works they're still you know dealing with the challenges of being a high school student these Mm -hmm. days with instagram and twitter and social media and you know you see i i kind of it's it's sort of the same thing but not really like a child movie star like you see them grow up in the spotlight and grow up too fast because they're required to just being in the spotlight um they usually don't turn out that great Right. Um, I don't think that this is necessarily like a child movie star tech. No, you know, like you'd see like uh, who's the dude who did uh, Home Alone? Oh yeah, yeah. Macaulay yeah. Culkin or yeah, whatever his yeah, name yeah. is. Uh, I think he was like addicted to drugs and stuff yeah. like that for a long time. Um, kids don't know how to handle money. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't know how to handle fame. Mm-hmm. They barely know how to handle their group of friends. Um, so I think this is a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I saw, I think it was, when I was looking at it last night, it was like 11 hours ago that it had posted that Ohio school board said denied uh, that their students would be able to use their name, image, and likeness to sign deals, which kudos on you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I think it's a terrible idea. And uh, yeah, I think you're going to get a lot of kids who grow up to be entitled and never have worked a real job and never lived their life like right. a kid should. Right. No, I agree. Yeah, those are all huge concerns and great points, I think. Um, I, good on Ohio for nipping this in the bud a little bit. Um, hopefully, we don't see it spread to other states as well. But Yeah. Um, yeah, bad on Nike. Yeah. Also, can Nike, we just... Nike tries to do a lot with, you know, being the first to, you know... Right, to do everything. To do the right. whatever that thing is. You yeah. know, these days, there's a lot of things going on. Right. Uh, Nike tends to be the one... To step out and do that thing like how much even money are you going to pay a high school kid like they're still living with their parents they're not going to move out they don't most of the time you, you know you're living with your parents they buy your food they <laughs> they're driving you around like what do yeah. you what are you going to do with the money and uh, go to the mcdonald's and buy everybody mcflurries like right. I, I don't also like it. i coming from somebody that buys nike stuff yeah watching a 15 16 year old high school basketball player is not going to make me go oh i need that product yeah like yeah. i can make that decision for myself <laughs> yeah so i don't know maybe i'm just uh, no i agree with you. I, I don't even know like who watches so high school sports enough to like i sure don't know i mean like, i mean it's got to be like the big market stakes like florida texas california yeah. that have those big nationally ranked schools but even then but even like, then nobody's watching like no. a regular season i mean you might watch like a championship like a finals championship i would watch some chino's hill back in the day yeah you know like back in the day might yeah uh, like nobody unless you're the parents or the grandparents like you are not going to these games or watching especially not watching them on tv right and most of them aren't on tv so like right. what is even the point of signing a deal <laughs> with someone who's not like i mean maybe they might grow an instagram following from um these headlines i don't i don't know what i don't see how it benefits a brand at all no i don't either it seems yeah, it, it really just seems like Nike trying to be ahead of the curve here. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Um, I really don't. Yeah. So, yeah, NIL, um, apparently a concern in high school, but yeah. also concern in college athletics. And this is about a week old, but I'm going to hit on it a little bit. Um, so one of the rules, backtracking a little bit with NIL, one of the rules for name, image, image and likeness is that colleges and student athletes have to follow um, that athletes have to find the deals without the aid of boosters, coaches, or administration. So basically, college athletes need to find the deals themselves. They cannot get help, and they have to do all the work themselves, um, which I think is great yeah. because it's showing them that they're – or, yeah, it's making them be independent and mm-hmm. making them do the work for themselves. Yeah. Um, another rule is that NIL history cannot be used as a recruiting tool nor can coaches promise recruits that they will receive, you know, like X amount of money yeah. if they do a deal or X amount of money in deals if they attend that university. So it can be used as a recruiting tool, which is also a great yeah. guideline. Makes perfect sense. Um, so then now there's new guidelines regarding 
um, collectives and boosters, which has become an issue over the past year. I feel like boosters have always been like, it's sort of like a shady business. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad you said that. Um, so yeah, the NCAA has rules in place that say schools cannot use boosters as recruiting tools. Um, but that broad rule has allowed boosters to find loopholes now. So mm-hmm. one of these loopholes is through the use of collectives. So they're using the boosters that is are using local businesses and um, have started working with them to seek and collect money from the boosters or fans and then distribute it to the athletes as quote NIL deal. So yeah. So the boosters are organizing this through local deals Mm -hmm. or local, um, you know, companies. Yeah. And then collecting it through the company and then the company is giving it to athletes, but really the money is being collected by the boosters. Yeah. So the local company is just the middleman here. Yeah. And that's the loophole. So, um, yeah, it's really messy. Um, about two dozen states have laws in place that student athletes cannot be penalized for accepting money for third parties from third parties. Um, so the NCAA is trying to band-aid it as much as they can. Yeah. But I think uh, it's it's kind of getting out of control. So I'm glad they instituted these guidelines. And um, it's I'm surprised they didn't see it sooner because mm-hmm. boosters, like you said, have always been yeah. such a big issue. Yeah. And have always been kind of like a slippery you know it's it's like business <laughs> it's always been a real shady business it has. in my opinion because like they're not supposed to, they weren't supposed to accept my I, I guess they still can't accept like money or gifts like from an actual i don't know how i don't know how the boosters work now but like it was they were not supposed to give gifts or get money but you know the players like you would see players with these cars and you're like okay like back when you couldn't get deals you knew like that had to come from someone and somebody so um it's always been like a real shady seems like under the table stuff um and i knew that this name image and likeness stuff would cause such a ruckus in this area because like you said they found the loophole and now they're just giving them money and through these companies and Mm -hmm. calling their brand deals and whatnot so i knew this would happen i saw it coming yeah this is a major concern um i think up to this point the ncaa is kind of been putting in guidelines as a reactionary rate yeah i mean they fix the problem as they come up but i think the ncaa needs to foresee and anticipate things like this and when the nil rule was implemented uh i think boosters should have been the number one main concern because of the history yeah uh with boosters and just they've always been so concerned with boosters and now when they put that in it seemed like oh it'll all go away oh no way the boosters are an issue yeah um yeah, I think back to situations such as the SMU um, fiasco back in the 80s when you had guys getting paid by rival Texas schools. Um, mm. Everyone knew it was happening. You were getting cars, houses, yeah. all sorts of stuff. And so finally SMU caved. They started recruiting that way, and then they got caught, and they yeah. were in a deep hole of doing things the wrong way. And Anyway, the whole program got canceled, and then they had to rebuild it and everything. It's a big mess. Why but. do I feel like the NCAA is always so bad at, like, coming up with policies and then, like, not seeing what could go wrong with it? Yeah. Like, I, they never – it seems like they never really think anything through all the way. It's it, it seems like they're just kind of a bunch of loons over there. Yeah, it's kind of like if you write something and then don't proofread it and submit it. Yeah, it's just That's like they wrote up the like. draft and they're like, cool, we're cool, good to looks go. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
it's, uh, um, it's interesting for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely a concern. Um, going back to uh, the states that have laws in place that student athletes cannot be penalized for accepting money from third parties, do you think there will be a change in this law? And do you think student athletes should be penalized? Because, I mean, they're adults; they know what's going on. Yeah. But they can kind of play the innocent card and be like, "Oh, well, this booster or this company gave me money." Yeah. for doing this even though they knew that it's probably wrong do you think we'll see law changes um i don't know i i feel like boosters are always they're there to boost <laughs> um so i feel like they're always going to find a way to give the get the money to the players or teams or coaches or whatever it is somehow um i i don't i maybe yes there should be some rule that keeps them from I feel like they need to just come up with a way that makes it where it's not messy. Like it just yeah. looks bad. Like they're having to go around and like do this whole like launder it, almost launder it, yeah. like through a, a company. And that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's like a drug cartel. It is. Maybe they're run by the drug cartel. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, I think for the most part, coaches are pretty good about warning their players not to accept stuff. Yeah. Because they know it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't want that sort of messiness to get around. Um, you know, in the media and they don't want that surrounding the program and the school and athletic administration, everything like that. So I think for the most part, uh, coaches are pretty good about warning their players about that. Um, so yeah, I don't think we'll see any law changes. Um, it's just going to be on the administration to keep following up with their teams and stuff to make sure that, you know, nothing happens and stuff's going to happen. Um, but if we can say we, if the NCAA can limit a lot of this, um, that would be great. But I think this guideline is a good step because, yeah, that's a pretty blatant loophole. Yeah, for sure. I can't believe they didn't find before that. Yeah, but like I said. The boosters did? They, of course they do. <laughs> of course they do. seems like did. the boosters are far smarter than the NCAA because they are uh, always finding a way at times to give their money. Hey, if you're trying to give some money, uh, hit me up on uh, my, my cell phone. I'll take some <laughs> of your money if that's what you want to do. <laughs> but, Steve, speaking of players who get paid, it's time to move on to our NBA Finals starting five draft. Whew, that was a mouthful. Um, we are in the conference finals of the NBA, my mm-hmm. least favorite league of all leagues. <laughs> you know that. Um, but we have uh, two different matchups here. We have the Celtics and Heat and the Mavs and the Warriors. And Steve and I are going to go through um, good old draft style and draft a uh, starting five from the remaining rosters of the Celtics, Heat, Mavs, Warriors. It's going to be a good time, I think. It's going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be really tough. Quick update on the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. We had Game 1 being played yesterday, May 17th, and yes. the Heat came back and won that they game. They did. They dominated the third quarter. Celtics kind of snunk it up. They had a lead coming in, coming out of halftime, and uh, yeah, then it was all Heat after that. So For Heat sure. are up 1-0 in that Eastern Conference Finals. And uh, the Western Conference will play tonight, which is uh, Wednesday. Um, and the Mavs, and, or not, the, yeah, the Mavs and the and Golden State will face off in a battle. Yes, battle for the West. West. Battle I didn't for see the West. Dallas here, but yeah, Dallas was definitely an underdog coming into this. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Um, definitely not expected, but you got one of the best players in the game right now. Then making will moves. he be drafted? Oh, he'll be drafted. 
He'll be by drafted who? for sure. I by you? Yeah, that's okay. a good question. All, All right. right, so we did uh, we did do a little bit of a wheel spin. Yes, we did uh, beforehand. And Kyle, yes, you have the honors. I have the honors, and I'm going to shock the nation with my first pick. Al Horford. I am picking a <laughs> uh, small forward from Duke University, Mr. Oh, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. Okay, yep. that's a good pick. He's uh he's a great player. He's obviously like star of the Celtics team. Yep. Um dominant player. Um yeah, so I'm taking him in my small forward slot. All right. Well, you gave me a layup. I gave you You gave me a layup. A lot of layups. And uh I'm not going to take the layup. I'm going to take the three-pointer and take Steph Curry. <laughs> ah, okay. All right. Uh didn't I thought uh, you, you uh, could have gone two different ways there and you went the way that I thought you were not going to go. Oh. Uh, I'm it up for you. Yeah, but you that's just gotta okay. got to take the guaranteed buckets. I guaranteed mean, you, you know buckets, what, you know obviously. Uh, but for me, my guaranteed bucket is Luka Doncic. Okay. Yep. All right. Obviously, dominant player. You saw him <sighs> make that nasty step back and then pop that three in that dude's face. Yeah. Well, actually, he was on the ground, so not in his face. But that's anyways, just what he does. That's just what he do. All right. Um, Second man. pick in the 2022 NBA Finals draft goes okay. to... I want to go one way, but I feel like I should go the smart way. Okay. Um, what was gosh. That? Okay, I think he might fall, so I'm going to go the smart way. Okay. I'm going to take Jimmy Butler for my... Uh, Solid pick. Solid pick. For my two or three, depending on okay. how my lineup ends up. Um. I'm going to go with a shooting guard here, and I'm going to go Clay Thompson. Okay, good. He fell. <laughs> <laughs> this is – this. okay, I got another one. That's a good pick, though. It's That's a, a great pick. pick. Another yeah. reliable guy. Good pick. Um, My third pick is going to be a shooting guard, so I'm going to move Jimmy to the three. Okay. And, uh, this guy's going to play the two. Steph, obviously, at the one. Jalen Brown from the Boston Celtics. Okay. I don't know why that's so hard to say. Boston, blah, blah, blah. Boston Celtics. Jalen Brown, shooting guard. Uh, he's had a great playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, taken over a few games, been really consistent. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to see him on my team playing the two. I'm going to take a, uh, a four spot here, and I'm going to go with uh, Draymond Green from the uh, Warriors. You can have him. You can have him. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a fine pick, though. Fine um, pick. Because he can kind of do it all. Couple, and he'll defend for you. Yeah, he will. Um, okay. Man, these are going to be hard. Because I feel like there's not great big men Yeah, there's left. not. Yeah. So maybe go for a smaller lineup. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to take a smaller – well, not really small, but by the NBA standards, I feel like he's smaller. Um, center, Bam Adebayo. Ah, uh, dang it! Is that who you were gonna take? Yeah, I was thinking about it. Okay, dang it, that's okay. Oh shoot! Now I gotta find somebody else. Okay, wow, was not expecting this. Our first uh, turn Conflict. of events here, folks. I know it's been pretty smooth, a lot smoother than I thought it would be. Yeah, like. I thought we were gonna be fighting, but uh, we're not. Um, shoot. Okay, as my center, I'm going to kind of a small center, six nine, Robert Williams the third. From the Celtics as my center. I don't know where Is else. Good? I don't know where else to go. Uh, <laughs> <he> play much? <laughs> he's got, uh, in the last game, he had 18 points. Oh, yeah. Six for eight from the field. Okay. Nine rebounds, one assist. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Gosh. All right. 
Big, big men are always, especially in today's league, big big men are always tough because yeah. there's not really true big men. I kind of want to take another guard because Jimmy could even play the four. I'm going with a smaller lineup. Yeah, you got you got options for I sure. Do. Hmm. Take my man Victor Oladipo. <laughs> you could do that, but mm. Magic Legend. Oh God. No. I'm not the magic. I'm gonna take Iggy, Andre Iguodala. Okay, that's a solid pick. He's gonna play the four for me. A vet. Have a pretty a vet. He's yeah. been here before. Been he's been, been in the finals. He's been, he's been a lot of places. He has. Um, but yeah, he's gonna round out my starting five. Got a pretty standard one through five there. Um, yeah, I like it old school. You do. I don't like the centers playing the two and the three nowadays. And yeah, that's. I don't like that either. But. Yeah, Bam will get down there. He'll get down and dirty. He'll defend. He'll be good. Um, and Iggy will round out that kind of bridge between guard and post. Yeah. Also, so, great defender. Yeah. So two pretty good looking teams here, if you ask me. Uh, I'll just we'll just recap here real quick. Uh, at the point, I have Luca, shooting guard Clay, uh, small forward Jason Tatum, power forward Draymond Green, and at the center Robert Williams the third. Who the heck is that? I don't even know why I picked him, but I did. That's okay. Um, kind of a panic pick, but that's yeah, right. kind of a panic pick, but Sorry. yeah, that's okay. Um, mine I got Steph Curry at the point guard, Jalen Brown at the two, Jimmy Butler at the three, Andre Iguodala at the four, Bam Adebayo at the five. Yeah, I gotta I'm, play this out on two K someday. I'm regretting my uh, not picking Butler, but it's okay. It is what it is. I appreciate it. Both two good teams. Hey, maybe we will play a little blacktop. Yeah. NBA blacktop, see who wins. We used to have some great games. You used to have some fantastic games. Yeah. You know, when you can mix up current players, former players, yeah. any players you want, it's uh it's it's a good it's a good time and a good matchup. Yeah. One of our good friends and uh future part time co host, oops, yeah. Daniel Wiggins. Yes. May uh appear on the show once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um us three used to have some good games on the blacktop. For sure. On two K that is. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much in real life. <laughs> yeah. We're we're pretty average. Yeah. <laughs> but decent. uh yeah, we'll have to try that out sometime. We but will. that's our little uh fun NBA Eastern Western Conference Finals draft. Um yeah. Yeah. We'll game to get us going into our final segment right after this break. Stick around, it's quick draw, everyone's favorite. We'll be right back. Alrighty, welcome back. It is time for everybody's favorite quick draw. But ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, so today, Steve is inspired by an article I read on ESPN. A lot of you might have read it too about a kid who was went to some spring training. Uh, apparently, a very shy kid. Uh, he had a slew of baseball cards that he was going to get signed by um, some New York Yankees, actually. Hmm. Um, and so he, he, he you know, he. There was a lot of kids there, obviously, spring training. I think in spring training, players are a little bit more accessible. Right. Um, so he was. this was his chance to, you know, uh, get his card signed by his favorite player. I think um, the one he was looking forward to the most was uh, DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, LeMahieu. Uh, yeah. The machine. Um, which, um, if you've read the story, he I think he eventually does get it. He does get the signature. He, he There's a bunch of kids. He, he The article says makes it seem like there's a giant group of kids and then he like he just sticks his hand out um, but he gets the card signed um, and I think they were going after one more player 
um, in the parking lot, and I think the dad or the son had the binder with the cards tucked under his um, arm. And as they were running, he went down to get the binder and realized that it was not there anymore. Um, and it goes on about this long thing, and they couldn't find the binder anywhere. Like security started helping him try to find the binder, um, and the binder was gone. Um, and so all these kids' baseball cards were gone. Um, and so the kid was heartbroken. Um, his mom ends up posting on Facebook, you know, hey, has anyone seen these cards? Maybe they ended up in like a pawn shop or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends up going on the news. Um, and it ends up a lot of people sending him um, memorabilia um, and, and all kinds of stuff that have been signed. So it ends up being a feel good story. It takes you on a roller coaster. You know, the kid starts off, you know, he's, he's on the hunt and he gets the signature and then. Uh, he loses them, and then he's back up at the top with all this uh, cool memorabilia. So he's a right. feel-good story. So today we are going to be inspired by that, and we are going to talk about either your worst or best uh, fan moment, not necessarily from our fan experience, just in general. So, Steve, lead us off with either a worst or best fan moment. All right. Well, this one came to mind right away when we talked about this topic. Um and most baseball fans are probably familiar with this. Uh, but let me set the stage a little bit. It's game six. And the Chicago Cubs are leading the Florida Marlins 3-2. to two Okay. In the best of seven series in the ALCS. Okay. Or, sorry, NLCS. Okay. They're five outs away from reaching the World Series. First time in 58 years. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the whole curse of the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Uh, the Billy Goat and everything like that. Uh, there's a pop fly to foul territory in left field. Then there's this man. A man. Black pullover. Green turtleneck. Oh. Chicago Cubs cap and a headset. Oh. He reaches across the fence. Oh, no. In the way of the Cubs left fielder. Oh, no. Tries to catch the ball. Bobbles it straight out of the Cubs mm-hmm. left fielder's um, glove. Mm-hmm. And the out is not recorded. If that out was recorded, the Cubs would have been well on their way to getting out of that inning and getting that win to go into the World Series. But that did not happen. That is a doozy. Cubs ended up mm. not getting out of that inning, losing the game, and the legend of Steve Bartman was born. Mm. Steve Bartman, unfortunately, went on to have one of the saddest lives. Is this the guy who took the caught the ball, Steve Bartman? Uh, I don't even know if he caught the ball. I just know he bobbled it. Like, it hit his hands out of the glove. But oh. um, he ended up having to go into, like, hiding and witness protection. Oh, gosh. And was receiving death threats. And even to this day has basically stayed off the grid. Oh, man. That's Nobody a- really knows what happened to him. Um, But I know he got out of the city. I think he lives in Chicago now. Mm. Again, uh, there was actually an interview a few years ago around the time of the Cubs World Series. And they met... The reporter and Steve met in a parking garage, so obviously not giving away his location or anything. Yeah. He's clearly still at fear for his life, Goodness. has lived the life of a hermit since then. Wow. And that's just the cruel, um, you know, I don't want to say reality because that's not reality, but the yeah. cruel uh, repercussions of his actions from that game. Wow. And so his life was basically ruined by that moment. Clearly, in my eyes, the worst sports fan incident that i can think of um but if you want some feel good story side to it 
when the Cubs won the World Series, they did track him down and send him a World Series ring. So that was kind of cool. Wow, yeah, that's but nice. But still, I mean. Hey, we forgive you, but that the was, fans do not. What, like 13 years after that? Um, he had to live a lot of his life in hiding. So that kind of, that doesn't kind of, that really stinks. That's pretty crazy. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. Uh, but that's a bad moment for sure. Yeah. Um, so mine is, is a little bit different. I look at this from, so there's a guy, Steve, probably definitely familiar with him. Hmm. A lot of the baseball world is Zach Hample, oh, yeah. uh, the guy who catches all these baseballs. And he's caught some very um, uh, memorable hits um the one i was specifically thinking of was barry bond's 724th career home run which i think is the one that broke the record for most home runs ever something Uh, like that i gotta look at that i don't know if that's i don't think that's a broken record but it's definitely close it's definitely close um anyways but he did also catch alex rodriguez 3000th career hit which is a huge one um, and Mike Trout's first career home run, which is another big one. So um, the feel-good or the the best sports moment is here. It's not really a best sports moment. It's just I commemorate the dedication that this guy has to study the ballpark, study the players' hitting tendencies. This guy is dedicated day in and day out to catch these baseballs. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that he got rewarded with uh, catching some some big moments. So not really a, a, a best sports fan moment. Maybe it, it maybe definitely a, for him. Definitely accumulation of best moments. Yes, he definitely has a, a lot of, 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 of great moments in his palm. Um, and I, Steve's over here. He's, he's looking a little disappointed in me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so uh, Steve, go ahead and... and, and this- this guy's a little bit of an enemy to the baseball world because oh, is he, he obsesses so much over that. <laughs> so I mean, I, I they're I see, intimidated by his dedication. No, I see, I see your point, and that's actually a pretty good point. Um, but through his dedication, he's hurt a lot of people. There's been pictures and videos from out in the stands of him like ripping it away from a kid. Oh gosh, like in batting practice. I can't get behind um, the kids. Like him diving over top of people trying to get a ball and stuff. Like so, he's very dedicated to the yeah. point of he is willing to get physical, down and dirty, and physical to <laughs> yeah. try to get this ball. So that's a little bit obsessive. Um, but yeah, so that part I don't condone. Um, but yeah, he is very dedicated. One thing. Um, You'll see if you watch enough like big baseball games, you'll see him at those games, and mm-hmm. you'll see him on TV and stuff like running around in the outfield trying to get a ball. It's kind of funny. Um, but one of the games, it was oh, I forget who was playing. I think it was a Nationals game though. That was on TV last year. Mm-hmm. It was pretty empty out in left field or right field, and there was a home run hit to like the second or third row, and he dives from like three rows up oh, across man. a couple state or uh, seats. Unfortunately, there's no one there. But he, like, kind of slid on his stomach across the top of some seats. Ouch. And then, like, slammed onto the first row and was, like, reaching behind his head trying to get this ball. <laughs> and then, like, this teenager just walks up and, like, picks up the ball out of his reach. <laughs> it was so funny to see on live TV because they just see this guy, like, diving over these stands, risking his body trying to get yeah. this ball. And this teenager just, like, walks up and grabs it. That is, that's actually hilarious. It was so funny. So that made my heart happy, but... Didn't know that this guy was a menace, but hey, I I commemorate the uh, dedication to yeah. the baseball and just being in the catching. right place, right time. 
Yeah, I that's mean, pretty. Clearly, pretty, he's yeah. been in the right place for uh, a couple of big hits. Mm-hmm. So um, he does his research for sure. He does. Yeah. Kudos. Kudos to him. But hey, <laughs> maybe let us know what you think your best or worst sports uh, fan moment is. We'd love to hear it. Connect with us, Steve. Where can they connect with us? At? You can connect with us on Instagram at waterboys.podcast. That is waterboys.podcast. Um, go check out the posts, interact with us, send us a message, ask a question. Maybe we'll feature it on the show. And uh, then you can also find us on Facebook at Waterboys Podcast. Find a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. Um, and of course, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or on Anchor, mm-hmm. and leave us a review. We'd love to hear all feedback to make the show better, and uh, just hear what we can do to make it to your satisfaction. Absolutely, Steve. It's been another great episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time.